sucks. Yeah. Like, I never, ever want to move ever again. But I know that I'm going to one day. I know. I'm still unpacking. There's like, fuck, why am I moving this again? Yeah. I'm going through this shit and getting rid of a bunch of it, so... Um, I'm kind of doing that right now. Yeah, getting into stuff's always hard. Yeah. Like, there's always that inkling, like, well, what if I need this, you know, Sturgis 2016 shirt? <laughs> what if I'm in some sort of biker-related conversation <laughs> and I want to pull out my Sturgis shirts? My thing is, like, I had, like, six rolls of electrical tape because I would always just go <laughs> buy another one whenever I needed it. It's Why like... electrical tape specifically? <laughs> well, you know... You work with electricity? All the time. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I did some speaker wire stuff I, uh, I had okay. needed some tape for, and it's like, I just never is bothered to look for the old one I had. I would just go buy a new one. Is electrical tape actually better for electric purposes mm. than, say, duct tape or masking tape or packing tape? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I assume it's got a function that makes it Because it melts proper. so easily. Yeah, that's true. Which I feel would runs against the grain of what you feel its intended purpose is supposed to be. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, have you ever? Tr- and it's funny, like, have you ever tried using duct tape to tape up a box, like a moving box? It doesn't no. work as well. Really? Packing tape is better for that job. Hmm. Thought, isn't it? <laughs> Let's get the MythBusters in here. <laughs> I want to know why these different tapes were created. It almost seems like it could be a podcast of itself. <laughs> Great tape discussion. Unraveling. <laughs> Unraveling. <laughs> I don't know if I would listen to that. Made some tape. <laughs> what's uh, What's the one that, uh, Freakonomics one, what's it called? Freakonomics? Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> Tapeonomics. <laughs> This is one that's going to have to piggyback on the success <laughs> of another podcast if it's ever going to go anywhere. And that was potty material right yeah. there. <laughs> Just, I hope all that makes it to the final cut. <laughs> what do you think the potty statuette's going to look like? Um, I don't want one of those, you know, J.D. Power and Associate things that just looks like a plaque with a stand. Well, what is uh, the, the shape and form of a podcast? Blow my mind, Matt. <laughs> if a podcast were a person, what would he look or she look like? Just a giant earbud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> I don't know if that would make the most attractive statuette. No, but... yeah, it would kind of be like one of those shower heads that you can take off and you know move around the shower massager style. One. Mm. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> or we could also use that to our advantage and just you know paint one of those gold and stick it on the stand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so all right, why why? Why are they called Oscars? Was there an Oscar? That's a good question. Is that who the little golden figures modeled after? Some sort of Oscar? Some dude named Oscar? Yeah. I don't know. Wow. I feel like I should know that. Maybe we should make our own Oscars and have it be Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> and just paint that gold. Sure. Like fuzzy, trash can, laden. Um, they put like a Pez dispenser on Oscar the Grouch. Just when we hand out the award, it's filled up, so you can pull its head back and it gives you candy. Nice. Yeah. Would it be Pez? Yeah. Why not? Okay. I just feel like they make sour Pez. Pez and potties. 
Pez just doesn't really taste like anything for me. It tastes like sugary chalk. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a big lemon. Just a giant lemon on the top of the statue. <laughs> for the potties? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lemon is... <laughs> yeah. Acerbic? Repre um... <laughs> represents podcasts. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Mmm, sour. <laughs> I'm really enjoying following the onion on Instagram right now, and they, okay. they they've been doing these stupid like "did you know" ones. And one was like, "Did you know that lemons are actually eggs laid by a sour goose?" <laughs> like, that's the stupidest joke. One of my favorite onion ones. It was released on Halloween a couple years ago, and the headline was a. Uh, what celebrities might look like today. Uh -huh. And, like, they listed, like, a bunch of celebrities who had, like, passed, like, way too young. Uh, but because they released on Halloween, <laughs> they just showed people in costumes. And they're like, had Kurt Cobain lived, to, you know, 2015, <laughs> he might have dressed up as a jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> the, yeah, the Onion's really, really doing a great job of getting me through... Yeah, this, this time period. These these trying times. These trying times. I, I saw a recent one that was like Mike Pence pulls funding for the Department of Agriculture because he found out that elk don't mate for life. <laughs> something like that. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Seems like something he'd do. How many animals do mate for life? I know that like swans. I, I was gonna say I think mallards are supposed to. Yeah. According to the urban legend. A couple birds. I've never followed a, a mallard life to death, so I can't say whether or not he, he was faithful the whole time. What if it's just like a front that mallards are putting on for... <laughs> to uh, appeal to the Christian right? Yeah. <laughs> but really there's these weird sex situations that mallards get into. Mallard orgies? Yeah. Or like... They're uh, big swingers. Swingers, yeah. Situation. Or they don't count hand stuff as cheating. Yeah. Wing stuff. Beat stuff. <laughs> and you can't say butt stuff because they only have the cloaca, so... Just one. My favorite sexual organ. <laughs> Although ducks are different, right? Because there was that thing a few years ago where they were talking about how twisty and weird duck vaginas are. I thought it was the duck penis that was twisty. Well, I guess it would have to be. Yeah, they, have, they work together. Yeah. Which is... Well, aren't pig penises also, like, corkscrew? Yeah, yeah. Like There's a video tail? online. Please don't Google it. Of um, a duck penis like becoming erect, and because of the situation of the the vagina, like, and they have to do it so fast that it like spirals out of control, becomes huge, and just like squirts as it's going out. It's really awful footage. Is it like one of those uh, out of control sprinklers with just like <laughs> the hose that goes every direction? Yeah, or like just picture putting a balloon. Like a long balloon on a hose that has a hole at the end of it, and it's like twisted, and then you turn the hose on all the way, and it sort of like spirals out. I can dig it. Mm -hmm. I respect the duck. <laughs> Whoo, what happened? Where are we? <laughs> what are we talking about? Is this thing on? <laughs> uh, and there went our last listener. <laughs> uh, well, maybe we should go into safer territory. Yeah, now. yeah, that's probably a good idea. Um, I watched While We're Young, the Noah Baumbach movie, like the last one. That oh, was that out. the most new? Yeah, the newest one. Uh, with Adam Driver, Ben Stiller, 
Naomi Watts, and I will not remember the other girl's name. Okay. <laughs> she wasn't in it very much, but... Uh, and I'd kind of forgotten how much I like Noah Baumbach. Yeah. He's, he's back on a good streak. Like, yeah. I liked Francis Ha a lot. Yeah. And, um, what was the one he did before that? He did something before that that I liked. Maybe I'm thinking Margot at the Wedding. Because uh, I did like that. I did like that, too. That's one of those, I guess, uh, Nicole Kidman got called Hitler, like her character, when it, like, premiered at Sundance. They're like, oh, my God, Nicole Kidman's playing Hitler. <laughs> uh, I'm like, God, that's a little rash. And when I saw that movie, I'm like, oh, she's pretty awful in this. <laughs> but I, I'm not one of those movie watches that, like, just because the character's all despicable, that will turn me off. I still will like movies with perfectly despicable characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I can see how, like, the average moviegoer might be turned off by that one. For sure. But, uh, and While We're Young is sort of in that vein. Like, okay. There's no, uh, there's no shining knight in that one. There, mm. There's no perfect character, uh, which I, I appreciate and I like. I also sure. like Ben Stiller in Bombback films. I think he does a good job in them. Okay. Uh, or that Noah writes really well for him, however you want to look at it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and it's very like classic Bombback, like the, the animosity and like the hatred is, you know, uh, untethered and unvarnished. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I'll check it out. Yeah, it was, it was solid. I liked it a lot. So I guess we should introduce ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. Uh, I'm Matt Fisher. I'm Ryan Whedon. And this is X-Rated. X-rated. Yeah. Uh, welcome to episode 11. We had a, a half a date this week. We, we went to a movie and we wanted a meal, but we didn't eat. <laughs> I was I was thinking about bringing food over and just <laughs> yeah. eating through the analysis oh, portion yeah. of this. Uh, you should be like the women who are like slurping up that spaghetti. Exactly, yeah. I just wanted to really get that impression on people. We went to a theater and we watched the movie Tampopo, mm-hmm. directed by someone whose name I can't pronounce, so you'll have to look it up. <laughs> uh, it's from 1985, and it's sort of, it's been described as a ramen western. Uh, it has sort of the elements of like a classic spaghetti western or like even non-spaghetti western. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has like the, you know, wrangling up like the motley crew of people to get the job done, you know, a la magnificent seven or something like that Mm -hmm. uh but in this case instead of like you know saving a hostage or getting the money back it's they're trying to fix up a ramen shop to make it a successful business (laughs) yeah that that's good that's good description yeah it's a little more than that well yeah i mean there's more to it definitely yeah that that's but that's the driving a that's the a storyline yeah uh yeah but I li- I'm just going to say, I really liked it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I like this movie. Oh, I guess I should say that this is the first X-rated movie that, A, that we've seen together. That's right. Uh, and that we actually, like, went to a theater and watched. That's true. Everything else I've watched sitting on this exact couch. Yeah. I guess nothing else has been in the theater when we're ready to, like, yeah. analyze it. Yeah. So... Uh, it was kind of fun, actually, because now I'm thinking about it, some of my comments involve the audience that we watched it with. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen Tampa Bowl once before, and it was at home, 
And it was New Year's Eve, and I started watching at, like, 7.30 p.m. <laughs> so I had to watch it while kind of, like, getting ready to, uh-huh. like, go out. So, like, especially near the end, I'm, like, getting dressed and, like, brushing my teeth and stuff like that. So some of it kind of distracted me to the end part. So it was kind of nice to sit and watch it isolated from distraction. Sure. And it's also sort of nice to see other people's reaction to stuff. Yeah. So. There was a woman uh, off to my right, or uh, both of ours, off to the front, like two rows up, who thought lots of it was funny. (laughs) Majority of the movie was laugh out loud worthy. (laughs) I mean, it is sort of a funny movie. Yeah, there was a lot of, I mean, I laughed out loud many times for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we we have the, the A story, which is, you know, the, the woman Tampopo, mm-hmm. which is Japanese for dandelion, as she's trying to fix up her shop with the help of two truckers. I don't know what made them necessarily an authority on ramen. Yeah. I was actually, I have, now I have a question I'm thinking about. In the very beginning, it's uh, Ken Watanabe's character that's telling... The other one, the cowboyish John Wayne character, whose name I can't remember, um, about meeting a ramen expert. Is that right? Yeah, the sensei. Okay. And so he's got, like, this love of ramen. Is that the deal? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I kind of missed that that whole premise. and was I was thinking about the whole movie. I was a little confused about yeah, so the movie, that first scene. I mean, the, the opening opening is that dude telling us to, like, not eat our food mm. too loudly. Mm-hmm. And then we, we get to the scene of the, the two male leads in the truck, and one's explaining to the other how he grew to appreciate ramen. Yeah. And it's basically this old guy is like, you have to contemplate your bowl of ramen. Look at the slices of pork. Look at the scallions as they float. Right. Uh, and then there's beautiful shots of, of ramen, like I mean, very appetizing. Right away, I'm like, I'm hungry. Yeah. We're like five minutes in, and I'm like, I want ramen. <laughs> it looks it looks really good. And for for a movie about or containing people, lots of people eating noodles and slurping broth quite audibly, <laughs> and we're pretty yeah. close up for a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I it's not gross. No. Which I find surprising because I hate people who eat with their mouth, chew with their mouth open, and I hate the sound of people eating. <laughs> exactly. Continue. Uh, for some reason in this movie, it didn't gross me out so much. It was, it was more funny, I guess. Yeah, there was something about it, the way that they did it, it's like I, I sort of empathized with like their passion for the food. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted to eat it as feverishly and, and as emotionally as they did. Sure. Uh, yeah, because like, especially there's one scene that I really don't know what it has to do with anything when they're in that like, fancy hotel oh, right. and there's like a room full of women like learning how to eat in sort of a western style. Right. So they're eating all this spaghetti and they're told not to make a noise uh, and they quickly disregard that and just start like slurping spaghetti down. Yeah. Uh, but it's not... So gross for some reason. No. I mean, it was really funny. Like, the scene just kept going. But I don't know what that scene had to do with the rest of the movie. Oh, no. I mean, well, then that's the, yeah, that's where we get into the, like, vignettes that the story kind of passes off onto. Yeah. Like, the A story, I think it happens three times, which I think divides the movie into three acts, sort of. Okay. Um, don't, I'm not sure about that. But um, each time, and it's really cool, I know at least the first one was really cool, the way he sort of takes us off of the A storyline, where it's just like, 
they're doing that silly training sequence with yeah. um, Tam Popo and the dude, he's on a bike, and it yeah. totally reminded me of the, like, sequence from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, the little match oh, okay. sequence, sweatsuit bike, whatever. Um, but she stops, and then she's, like, just kind of running about the, around the bike, and then these businessmen come out from behind a bush, and then, like, we just start following them. Like, yeah. very, very smooth transition. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and, like, we follow them into the, the hotel where they order, like, a business lunch or something. Mm -hmm. And there's the one, like, upstart that orders something different than all the other executives. Right. And it does that cut, and all their faces are red. Why were they red? <laughs> I, I think it's because they were either angry or embarrassed for them. I'm not <laughs> entirely sure what reaction they were supposed to be having, but... Either way, they were not pleased with that 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 youngster's brazen <laughs> disregard for not ordering the exact same thing that everyone else ordered. Yeah, uh, but then yeah, then it moves on to the to the ling the linguini ladies, and then yes. like it's and I kind of feel like all these little vignettes and there's tons of them uh, have to deal all deal kind of with. Like, the sensuality of food. Okay. Because there's, like, there's the dentist one where it's, like, you know, there's mouth pleasure and then mouth pain, which he has. And then, like, he gets the ice cream and we're just watching him, like, mm. get it all over <laughs> his face. And then he hands it to the kid. Yeah. Who also, like, gets to experience... Who, like, can't have sweets. The kid with a little cardboard sign that's, yeah. <laughs> like, I only eat organic food. Please no sweets or something. And then the guy hands him his ice cream and it's, like... I don't know. I, I mean, I personally can't remember the first time I had something sweet, but it's like if you were of a certain age and hadn't had any refined sugar or something, mm -hmm. it must be an amazing yeah. sensation to finally have that, you know? Yeah. Um, but then also there's like this, the squeezy lady who's just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the sensation of squeezing. Yeah. I mean, that's something near the end, but there, yeah, there's a lady who goes into a little like bodega or grocery store and. First, she ruins a peach <laughs> by just thumbing the hell out of it. And then she goes along and, like, ruins some perfectly good brie. Yeah. Uh, and then she goes pastries. into the... Pastries. Yeah. Yeah, she gets sloppy with those pastries. <laughs> like one, one squeeze per Danish yeah. <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> Which, I don't know, I almost sympathize with her a little bit, too, because there's definitely been times when, like, I'll go into a bakery and, fruit. Like, I just want to touch... <laughs> You've been chased around by a, a grocer yeah. for ruining fruit. I can't confirm or deny that. My lawyer says I shouldn't I shouldn't say anything about that. Um, but this was like another little vignette that really had nothing to do with right. the, the story at large. It was just sort of a funny little offshoot that like kind of... I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you definitely like... You've watched a really long movie where you're like, okay, it's good. Like, I get it. Yeah. But like, I'm tired of these characters or I'm, you know, I just want this to be over... Little vignettes were a little refreshing. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen a movie do that before. With just completely unrelated... Yeah, just break away, but then come back. Yeah. You know? Like... Yeah, not in that style. Like I can't think of any movie that's done that. that yeah, because they're not really interrelated. You know, it's not like a Altman film where there's 22 storylines. Right, right, right. But they're all, like, tangentially related. It eventually intersect. Yeah. In situa yeah, it's not like that. It's like... These characters come in, do their little deal, and then we don't see them again. Yeah, they're nameless, and yeah, I mean the the only of the, the only B storyline that we really come back to is the sex food people. <laughs> I guess we can't not talk about the sex food. Did you not want to talk about the sex food people? <laughs> no, I was just putting it off. Oh, I guess. Okay. <laughs>
Well, there's a so, so, so there's the A storyline of building the ramen shop. There's the if there is a B storyline, it's these it's the people we meet at the very beginning of mm-hmm. the movie who are who hate it when people eat loudly, um, and they have some funny ideas about food. And... To you, to them, it's totally normal. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. I shouldn't judge. Um, but yeah, so it the movie is like otherwise like g or pg rated like right. there's no maybe there's like a couple cuss words but for the most part it's it's a pretty squeaky clean affair with the exception of like just this i mean i think it happens really twice and the the kiss i don't even think they were naked were they i think they were uh, they were clothed no she was clothed because yeah she's wearing white yeah you do see like her top off okay at one point but yeah during the first scene like they're you know having some you know, erotic times. Sexy food times. Kissing and pouring honey between their lips. Which and... is gross, but I can see how it'd be a turn <laughs> uh, There's the whipped cream. She dips her, her breast right. in whipped cream and then puts the breast in, in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there's the crawfish or the <laughs> shrimp or whatever it was. Yeah, I don't know what those were exactly. He puts he puts them in a like live... Prawns. prawns in a bowl with and some hot sauce we think we maybe. think and then he puts the bowl over her stomach while the crawfish ride around presumably in agony i thought they were suffocating but <laughs> someone else said that, that it was hot sauce so they were probably yeah in pain because of that but it was tickling the the lady with pleasure <laughs> and the theater was filled with nervous laughter <laughs> yeah they, everyone seemed to be enjoying themselves yeah it, um, it's weird, yeah, because they kind of do that, and then there's just, like, that weird circle wipe, and then we get back to the A story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, liberal use of the circle wipe uh-huh. in this movie. Uh-huh. It's kind of fun. Uh, I mean, the, the, they would also, I'd throw into that, like, category of he's maybe just demonstrating the sensuality of food, you mm-hmm. know? Like... Mm-hmm. Because you, you have lots of movies that, ch- like, try to stimulate your visual senses or your aural, you know, senses. But you don't have any that, you don't have many that are trying to get your mouth to water. Like, really sure. trying to get you to think about, you know, using your mouth for, as a sensation kind of, kind of situation. You know what I mean? So, this movie really, I feel like, is aiming for that. Is really trying to get you to think about, like, mouth. And, like, yeah. you know, sex, sex often, or, you know... You use your mouth for sex. There we go. Do you? Spit it out. Yeah. Did we? <laughs> I, I thought so. <laughs> Don't edit history. <laughs> but you know, and so it's like you also use your mouth to eat, so it's like he's kind of like drawing that parallel maybe. But even, I would say even more memorable than the crawfish or the prawns uh-huh. <laughs> is the egg yolk. Uh-huh. There's a scene where the dude kind of embraces the lady from behind. It looked like they just got done oh, having... A, yeah, they, they just put on their clothes to go out after having a crazy day of food sex. sex. Yeah. Uh, embraces her from behind. While he does that, separates an egg, and then he puts the egg yolk in his mouth and then proceeds to pass it to her mouth and they pass it back and forth like it's a volley. It's like four or five times. Yeah, like they, they, they're pros at it. This is not their, <laughs> their first rodeo. And f- 
finally the yolk breaks in her mouth and she just lets it spill out all over her white dress Mm -hmm. and she's smiling with pleasure and it is a sight. (laughs) Like the the reaction from the crowd was was audible. Like people, yeah. you could feel the tension. There was a lot of well. First, yeah, he he drops the score during that part, so it's yeah. just like you just hear them, like you hear you hear the breathing. Squick. Yeah, <laughs> like you can hear the yoga passing, and the theater was just full of nervous like. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all nervous with anticipation for if and when that yoke would break, right. or if they would swallow it whole. Right. I didn't know what was. Going yeah. Um, how many takes do you think it took to take to do that scene? Because I feel like I could do that all right. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say they they did just one. <laughs> they got they got it they got it on the first one. Okay, maybe Ma- maybe two for safety. But <laughs> um, I'm feeling like I could do that. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> I you I can tell in your eyes that you don't believe me. <laughs> I will find someone who is not squeamish of raw eggs and put. I'll call it the tampopo. <laughs> Just one guy, one yolk. <laughs> Use a, a glass. Uh, I'll be looking for that video. I'll have a Google alert set up. <laughs> they still have Google alerts. I don't know. Oh boy, my references. What are you talking about? We have the most topical reference. We're totally cowabunga on this. <laughs> oh boy. Is that what this is? Um. So one thing that I want to talk about with this movie is sort of how ramen, at least inside the movie, is sort of a metaphor for art the whole time. Okay. I mean, the movie is about craft, sure. like how if if it if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well, sort of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're turning this mediocre ramen shop into like a thriving, like pinnacle of you know high ramen, right? Uh, and even at the very beginning, when the sensei is like teaching you how to like savor it, it, you know, you're supposed to be looking at the different elements of it and appreciating them for what they are, mm-hmm. uh, and then. At the beginning, when the cowboy dude is telling her to, like, look at the customers, it's sort of like, look at your audience. Okay. Like, what, who are you serving for? Uh, and there's just, like, that little theme of, like, you know, you're making something, but it's for the public. Uh, the best example, I, I feel, is in that scene when they go to one of the rival ramen shops. Right. And they're sort of nitpicking the ramen, and it's like, you just don't appreciate, this is like high-end ramen, and they're like, it, you're making this for the public, if, if it's specialty ramen, like, and they and the public doesn't get it, then what are you making it for? Right. I always feel about that, like, super arty stuff, where it's like, oh, you just don't get it. You sure, know? yeah, You're yeah. not in on that, like, level of thinking, and it's like, well, then who are you making this for? Like, you're releasing it to the public, and if we don't get it then why are you making it for the public? Right, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, there, there's just that, that reoccurring theme of, you know, this is a craft, you're making this for someone other than yourself. Right. So you have to think of them and how they're going to react or appreciate or, you know, how they're going to interpret or internalize it. Right. 
Uh, and it just, it felt like there was just in each of the, the, at least the A story vignettes, that element of like honing your craft, getting better. And even if it just means like stealing from someone who does it well, like yeah, it's all <clears throat> fair game. Like they find ways just, they figure out who's doing something the best and they just take from that. Right. And then that's how she gets her broth. That's Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how she got the noodle recipe too. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she just figured out who was doing it the best and figured it out from there. But th- yeah, then there's the opposite of how is the public reacting to this and how should you react to the public reacting to this? Right. Uh, and so I just felt like, you know, the director is sort of, that's the way that he approaches like making his art is he's thinking like, how is the public going to react to this? And is this the reaction I want uh, from them, sure. you know, he, he's not making the movie for himself necessarily. He's making it for the public, right? Uh, and I think that he just used the ramen shop as sort of a metaphor for you know art making in general. I see that for sure. Yeah, um, I'm actually kind of glad you said that because I was thinking a couple of times throughout this movie, I, I was I thought about the um, documentary Jiro Dreams of Sushi, mm-hmm. um, which I did not like. Oh, you didn't? I didn't, because um, that guy's a dick. <laughs> and I had just gotten done... Obama ate there, man. <laughs> I had just gotten done working at a restaurant where the chef was a total asshole. Um, I'm not... I would just like to note for the audience that after you said that... that movie sucked and that Jiro's a dick like we both rearranged ourselves our sitting positions <laughs> like we we have changed our body language it's no longer a casual <laughs> conversation um I know I'm kind of an I know I'm on the minority on that one but it's just I, and I think it just it was because it hit me at a time where it's like your foodie sensibilities were kicking yeah and, and well they were they were like dropping off where it's like you're just a dick shut mm-hmm. up you know like you're making food like it's Blah blah blah, but um, the I like it better. Uh, I like um, Tempopo better to think about it as like a metaphor for creating art or film or whatever, more than like just striving to be the very best you can. Mm, mm. Which is kind of what was kind of my take in a fun way from from it, watching it this time. Um, but I like that. Yeah, I like your I like your take on it. Yeah. Because it, it, it just seems that the director kind of made a point of making the audience's reaction or feelings towards whatever you're making as like as valid. Mm-hmm. That you know this is who you're making you know your product for. You know it, it's it's like when when you know you, you'll hear famous people say like your fans are everything. If you're good to them, they'll be good to you. Sure, uh, and you got to give the fans what they want. Uh, it's it's sort of that mentality, you know. You can't necessarily just do it for you. You got to do it for the fans, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's sort of what he was doing with like the round. It's like you have to do it, you know, for the the hungry public. Right. And yeah, and you know, he did it sort of in the uh, uh, I don't want to say tropey, but what's a way to say tropey, but in positive connotations, in a in a genre style okay yeah there you go <laughs> uh, you know with like inside the elements of like yeah getting the band back together mm-hmm. you know uh all the great thinkers to to chip in and you know contribute to this you know 
last big score or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of have like a little bit of a uh, a heist feel too in that yeah. way where it's like, even though these guys didn't know each other. Well, I guess some of them did like that. That old guy that they got. Yeah, the sensei. Like, they, they knew him. Mm-hmm. And I guess, he, I think he was also, I'm, I can't guarantee this, but he was trying, he was giving all of the, the dudes, like, a different nationality, kind of. Because um, mm-hmm. that old sensei was wearing a beret, so he's, like, the, he's coming from the French school. Oh. Um, and then there was, like, the, you know, the western cowboy hat wearing guy. Yeah. And then, like, the trucker. Sure. Which, I guess, is American again. But, um... Still, you know, like, just this idea of his, he's kind of, like, pulling from, also pulling from all sorts of different cultures as well. Yeah. Uh, what did you make at the end when, like, our narrator gets shot? <laughs> I And takes about five minutes to stumble yeah. and die? I wasn't sure at first, because it's, it's kind of violent. Yeah. And out of nowhere. Yeah. But it quickly becomes funny. Yeah. Because he just, the way he's squirming over, like, those the bars. The no bike yeah. bars. <laughs> and um, then, you know, you, as soon as, like, she rushes up, then it's like, don't die, don't die. You know, and he starts telling her about wild boar sausages. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, this is funny. <laughs> I, did, I wrote down his last line, because he said, my final movie is starting. Oh, yeah. At the beginning, he's like, you know. I, I love the idea of your life passing before your eyes because it's like a film that I've, that I've always wanted to see. Um, and uh, I don't know. That's funny because like, he says that line and then dies, but like the theater erupted. Yeah. <laughs> and I laughed too out loud. Uh, it's funny the moments that I thought were funny now that I'm thinking about it because the scene where she finally gets the ramen right... Yes. And they're just all these reaction shots of her looking nervous. And, and like, well, doesn't she cry? Yeah, she's just crying. Because she's so happy, but it's, I don't know, funny. Yeah. It's just like, it's something I don't think I've ever laughed at before in a, in a movie. Someone getting their noodles right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's part of the charm of this movie, too, though. Yeah. Just being able to... Yeah, it's just a, a like quirky that. little film. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't feel like it's making a grand statement. Which is for the best. Yeah. It's really light and like bright yeah. colors. Apparently this restoration that we saw yeah. makes it look way better than it did before. Uh, yeah, so this was a new 4K resolution print. Uh, when I initially challenged you for this, uh, it's because I saw it and I was like, oh, that'd be a good one for, and, you know, get us out of the house and, <laughs> you know, have a little adventure. Uh-huh. Uh, but then... Between the time that I challenged you to, to watch this one and then the time that we were recording this, uh, Criterion announced that they're going to be releasing it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was like, oh. oh. <laughs> no, it's good. We got out of the house for once. Yeah. It's a good thing. <laughs> so they tell me. <laughs> oh, I, we, you know what we need to talk about? Um, is the, the egg yolk scene some more? <laughs> I got some more comments. Was that foley or were, was that live set sound? Uh, the the one of the vignettes that I I thought was funny, and another thing that I feel weird laughing at was the woman who was dying, and her husband comes home, and it's like you need to cook us one last meal. Oh so yeah, she, like, pulls herself off She's her deathbed. Visibly dying. She pulls herself off her deathbed, makes them food. Yeah. And dies. 
And it's like, it is funny, but it's also... Well, then the father's, like, yelling at the children to, like, finish their meal. Eat it while it's hot. Yeah, it's the like... last meal your mother ever made. <laughs> but yeah, no, she was, like, very sickly looking. Dragged herself out of bed, made some ramen for all of them. Sat down and then collapsed. <laughs> and yeah. It's weird dark humor there. Uh, there was a poem that I read a long time ago, and I want to say it was E.E. E. Cummings, and I have no idea if it actually was. Okay. But I'm going to say it was E.E. E. Cummings. Sure. And there was a, there's a line in it, and I don't remember the rest of the poem for shit, but there's one line that said it was either eating is social or food is social, one of those two. Okay. Uh, but it was like eating is a social event. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've always kind of thought about it that way. Like, you know, obviously we eat alone all the time, but like we still go out to eat. Sure. Like the event can still be very social. And there's like a reason why like families get together for dinner mm-hmm. rather than something else. Like there, even though like our mouths are full, there is something social about eating. Right. And it's like, you know, cooking for large groups of people is a is you know a thing it's not, food is something that brings people together yeah and uh like growing up i always wanted to like just gather around a table hang out for a half an hour and then we all get 20 bucks <laughs> like that that'd be much better for me and then we'd just go buy our own meals <laughs> uh but i don't know yeah there's something about like yeah food being part of yeah a social experience sure uh that the movie kind of touched upon too yeah, I guess a little bit. Yeah. Even though there were those, like, a lot of people coming by themselves to these, you know, kind of junky-looking little noodle shops. Yeah, but there is some sort of social about those uh, Japanese noodle shops where it's like the chef is right there. Right. Like, they just put the food directly in front of you the moment it's done. Right. Uh, which is sort of like, or, you know, we even have places like that here, like, you know, Tai Tom in the U District. Right, yeah. Like, they're I've just right there. <laughs> They'll be pouring food, and you can, like, feel the heat from that pan. For sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, You're and, getting splashed with the oil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is sort of different than, you know, most, you know, uh, Western restaurants where it's, like, the chef is in a secluded room. Right. And, you know, only authorized figures can go in and out of the kitchen and right. stuff like that and bring you your food. I think that kind of speaks to like food being an equalizer in a lot of ways. And I think that he touches on this in the movie a little bit with like the um, homeless people being the like, Oh yeah. Gastro- gastronomes. Yeah. Oh, God, what's that word? I know what you mean, but okay. I, I'm not gonna, Blech. I'm Blech. not gonna embarrass myself. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, uh, and also, I mean, they touch on this in other food movies too, like Ratatouille does it too, where it's Mm, like, uh you get behind in the kitchen and they're all like, I was a criminal, blah, 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 and like, (laughs) you know, and I've experienced this in my own, you know, just working in restaurants all the time, it's like, kitchen, you know, you can have some like, strange people making food that's so friggin' delicious, you know, it's, um, it's funny. That like disconnect that happens sometimes yeah. here in Western Western places. Yeah, because you, you don't necessarily equate like someone who has a, a refined palate. Uh, like the the stereotype around it is that if you have a refined palate, that you must be refined in other ways. But like right. when it really comes down to it, like sort of who has a refined palate is just who was like blessed with these like sensitive you know genes, right? Uh, and it doesn't really necessarily translate over, you know, just because 
they have a refined palate doesn't mean that they, you know, only listen to opera or something like right. that. No. <laughs> oh God, can you imagine every kitchen? As you walk in, like, go to a bathroom somewhere, it's just blaring opera all the time <laughs> instead of, you know, death metal, like, which is more the case, I feel. <laughs> well, I don't know. You must uh, taste your drinks when you make them. Well, sometimes, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta make sure this vodka tonic has the right <laughs> <laughs> I taste <laughs> every drink that goes out. <laughs> you don't do the thing where you're just like, oh, too much tonic and pour it out and start over. <laughs> Too much vodka poured out, started over. <laughs> this is all wrong. I'm so sorry. I have a line going out the door. There's your screwdriver, man. I do. I like to cook. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I never have time for it, I feel like. but Yeah, I've definitely dropped off in the past couple months, but I used to really enjoy it. I'm definitely not one of those people who can just, like, look in the kitchen and be like, oh, here we go, and, like, whip something up. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much a recipe follower. Oh, okay. Um, but when I do, I can do it pretty well. Okay. So. And I enjoy it. I get it now. Definitely something I didn't get in my, like, in my 20s. Yeah, it didn't come intuitive to me. That's definitely for certain. Like, yeah, if I have a recipe, like, I feel like I can make something decent. And I can make something that I will like. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if I, I could ever make something that I would, like, be happy to serve other people. Yeah. Uh, necessarily without following a recipe. <laughs> so that, like, toasted cheese sandwiches, you just... Uh, the last time I made cold that cheese, that's what they I made were. <laughs> last time I made cold cheese, it, it got pretty burnt. <laughs> it was pretty burnt. And then my friend who was there with me was just like, "You should be chefs." I'm like, "We can't even make grilled cheese." <laughs> so no, let's not be chefs. Uh, all right. Here's an embarrassing admission. I uh, when I was younger, maybe like. In my early teens, like 13-ish, someone there, I kind of had a streak of watching cooking shows. and Oh, cooking shows are so much fun to watch. Oh, yeah, though. they're great. Uh, but the embarrassing part is that I go into the kitchen and make myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> and pretend I was on my own cooking show. Uh-huh. And I'm talking to the audience saying, so, you want to get your bread? <laughs> you That's awesome! Spread this evenly. That's Awesome. Oh, thank God there weren't camera phones. I then. was going to say, I wish YouTube was a thing when you were a kid. <laughs> Go back and watch little Ryan. Oh, man. Teaching me how to make a PB&J. <laughs> I begged my parents for a video camera when I was pretty young, and they never gave it to me, which is maybe for the best, now if, that I'm thinking about if, it. If we ever get a sizable following, I will have to dig out the horror movie I made when I was 11. <gasps> Guess what it's called. <laughs> I can't. I don't even know. The Violator? (laughs) (laughs) I'm scared already. (laughs) And it was just me and a friend and my action figures that played aliens that invaded Earth. Cool. So I don't know where the tape is, but it was definitely filmed on like one of those clunky, like, had to put it on your shoulder, <laughs> and you put, like, a whole VHS uh-huh. in it. Oh, I remember those. Uh, you know, everything's done in one take. <laughs> I 
if we had to redo something, we had to rewind it. Yeah, and, and edit over. Kinda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I turned in several video projects for oh, yeah. school that way. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> I mean, mine were hand-cranked. You had to keep that film moving <laughs> correctly, but, you know, same deal. So they're all Benny Hill speed. <laughs> Cue yakety sacks. <laughs> Should I tell you what I'd like to do next week? Yeah, next week is our big Valentine's Day episode, right? Indeed, Did yeah. you pick something romantic? I Sort of. My <laughs> idea of romantic. Um, right. Antichrist? <laughs> I picked a movie that, that um, kills two birds with one stone for me. Um, a, it's kind of romantic. And it's a black and white film that was made before 1975. Okay. Which I've also been wanting to get on here. Um, so I, I don't know if you've seen it, we didn't, we haven't, I haven't cleared this one with you, um, but I'd like to watch The Apartment. Oh, okay, yeah. When was the last time you saw that? At least five years ago, if not further. Okay. Yeah, that's one of those that, like, the, the DVD cover art was totally misleading to the movie <laughs> itself, because it has, like, Shirley MacLaine, like, doing, like, the, what are you gonna do about it pose, and it's like, if you've seen the movie... What is she going to do about it? She's going to kill herself. <laughs> Spo- Spoilers! <laughs> so, yeah. Next week, The Apartment. Huzzah! Yay, suicide. <laughs> um, keeping it dark. Yeah. After that lighthearted romp into food sex. Yeah. Uh, okay. Are we going to plug our junk? Yeah, let's get it. Let's plug it. Uh, follow us on Twitter. At X-Rated Movies. Mm-hmm. We uh, also have a Facebook page, which is Rated X Movies. Uh, you can email us, uh, x.rated.movies at gmail.com. Or you can just shout into the void. <laughs> We're just as likely to hear it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We are X-Rated. With our ear eyes. Your eyes.